Before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning, I want to share with us from the same passage that we were in last week, and that is Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. It is actually a passage we will be in for a number of weeks. The Apostle Paul, writing to the churches at Rome, says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are in the midst of what I would call a mini-series on what it means to abide in Christ. And this is part of a larger series that we are looking at all year long, all of 2017. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus abides in Christ. Now, I want to say something just quickly here. Some of you may be visiting with us this morning. And you may be wondering why we don't have more of a patriotic emphasis on this Independence Day weekend. And I just want to share with you that historically this church may be different in other churches, but historically this church has always done its patriotic emphasis on Memorial Weekend, which we did, a significant patriotic service back in Memorial Weekend just a few weeks ago. However, I do want to say this. Last week I shared with you that we as believers bring the greatest glory to God both here and around the world when we are constantly being transformed into the image of Christ. And I said that is the greatest thing that you can do for your spouse, the greatest thing you can do for your children, the greatest thing you can do for your church, the greatest thing you can do for your community, and the greatest thing that you can do for the unreached around the world is to be constantly transformed into the image of Christ because then you have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, and you want what Christ wants. And you are most effective and you are most or bringing the greatest glory to your Savior when you are being constantly transformed into his image. And I say to you this morning that the greatest thing that you can do for our country is to be constantly transformed into the image of Christ. You know what our greatest need is in America today? The gr our greatest need is for evangelical Christians to be like Jesus, to be just like Jesus, and to be willing to stand for our faith and be willing to clearly articulate our faith. That is the great need of the hour. So in a sense, this message has everything to do with Independence Day weekend. Specifically this morning, we are looking at what it means to have our minds transformed, to abide in Christ, means to let God, to allow God to radically dramatically transform the way that you think. Now, I laid out this message this week and put together the PowerPoint notes, which are always out in the foyer, by the way. They are always out at the Information Center. Maybe some of you have them with you this morning. 
But as I went through this, as I began to review, review this, I realized there's no way I was going to get through everything this morning. So we're going to stop right in the middle of the message and then pick it up again next Sunday morning. There, this, this subject is just too important to try to rush it in the time we have before communion this morning. Well, our first point this morning is every thought captive to Christ. Last week, we saw that the Apostle Paul is appealing to the Christians in Rome to give their lives for the worship of Christ. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. As we looked at last week in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul lays out God's mercy toward us in Christ. We are undeserving rebellious, sinful men and women, deserving of the punishment and judgment of God. But instead, in Christ, we have been shown great mercy, unbelievable mercy, amazing grace by God. And so he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, based on the first 11 chapters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. In response to the mercies of God, I want you to give your life to Jesus. I want you to live your life for Jesus. I want him to become your all-consuming focus. And then he says this, which is your spiritual worship. Some translations have this is your spiritual act of worship. And worship at its very heart, at its very foundation, is us, the redeemed children of God, responding in thankfulness and gratefulness to God for his unbelievable mercy and kindness and grace toward us. That is worship. Worship is us being overwhelmed with thankfulness for the mercies of God. For a disciple, in the context of this entire series, for a disciple, Christ becomes the obsessive focus of your worship. You are literally obsessed with him. The cry of every disciple ought to be worship Christ alone. Worship him alone. You see, when we abide in Christ, there is a fundamental change in our worship. And Christ is now the center of our lives. <clears throat> Excuse me, that brings us to this morning. When we abide in Christ, there is not only a change in worship. When we abide in Christ, there is a dramatic change in the way we think, in the way we view the world around us. In verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Notice that, by the renewal of your mind. When it says, do not be conformed to this world, as I shared with you last week, this does not primarily refer to our behavior. It primarily refers to our thoughts, to our minds. When it says, do not be conformed to this world, he's not saying, well, you used to do bad things, so now do good things. You used to do immoral things, so now do moral things. That's not the focus here. The focus is, do not be conformed to the philosophy 
of this world. Do not be conformed to the way this world thinks. Do not be conformed to this world's world view. I want to radically change the way you think and the way you see the world around you. Very important passage on this subject. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. A clear reference to spiritual warfare. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh, that fifth verse. Oh, my. We, the children of God, demolish arguments and every pretension. A pretension, or the word pretension means a pretense. It means an assertion or a claim. Paul says we demolish every argument, every assertion, every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. One of the biggest issues in our culture right now I see it on the news almost every single day is the proliferation of fake news. Fake news is everywhere. We're not sure which is real news and fake news. And we have to check a couple of sources to find out what the real news is. But I want to tell you something this morning. Fake news is not new. Satan has been promoting fake news for centuries. He promotes fake news about God. And what we need to do as the children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, is we need to demolish arguments and claims and assertions that set themselves up against what is true about God, against the knowledge of God. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we demolish strongholds? How do we demolish arguments and pretensions, and here's how, don't miss it this morning. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want that last phrase to burn deep into your souls this morning. We take captive every thought. It means exactly what it says. It's not symbolic. It's not allegorical. We take captive every single thought to make it obedient to Christ. So whether we're in our relationships at home or in relationships outside the home, whether we're at our workplace, whether we're working in the yard, whether we're at the lake enjoying recreation, whether we're reading a book, whether we're on the internet, whether we're watching television, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God wants us to think like Christ thinks in every single area of our life and there is no area of your life which is exempt. Do not, brothers and sisters, do not be conformed to the thinking of this world but be transformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
Well, our second point this morning is transformed minds. God wants your mind to be transformed by the living word and the written word. The living word is Jesus Christ. The written word, of course, is the Bible. It is scripture. He wants our worldview, our way of thinking, the way we look at the world, the way we look at and understand each other, the way we understand God, the way we understand man, the way we understand sin, the way we understand salvation. He wants it all to be transformed by Christ and his word. Transformed is an interesting word. It is not used very often in the New Testament. In fact, the word transformed is only used once in the Gospels, but the one time that it is used is extremely instructive for us this morning. Jesus goes up on a mountain, a great mountain, a high mountain, the Bible says, and he meets with Peter, James, and John, and he is transfigured before them. It is known as the Mount of Transfiguration, it could be called the Mount of Transformation. It is the same word in Matthew 17 that Paul uses in Romans 12. And in Matthew 17 too, it says this, And he, Jesus, was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So Jesus is with his kind of inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he's transformed, he's transfigured. His face shines like the sun. His clothes become white as light. This is a glimpse for those three disciples of Jesus' glory. It is a glimpse of heaven and Christ in his glorified state. But what is important to us this morning is Christ was simply revealing outwardly who he really is inwardly. It was from inside out he was transformed to display to them who he really is. And that is the thought. Do not conform. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed inside out by the renewal of your mind. The Apostle Paul uses this word transform only one other time in his own writings, and that is also very helpful. It's found in 2 Corinthians 3.18. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul writes, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is what I want you to grab onto this morning. As you behold the glory of the Lord, you are transformed into the image of Christ. As you behold the glory of the Lord, you are transformed into the image of Christ. The glory and majesty of Christ transforms your mind. The glory and majesty of your Savior, the one to whom you owe everything, transforms your mind. Transform here refers to a continual process and not a one-time event. Yes, there is a point in time in which we are saved. We are born again. We are regenerated. We become new creatures in Christ. But the renewal of our minds, the transformation of our minds 
takes place every single day of our Christian lives. We are continually being transformed in our minds. And so what I want to do is to give you four, which I hope are very practical ways in which your mind, you can allow God to transform your mind. We're going to look at the first one right now, and the next three we're going to look at next Sunday morning. So we're going to look at the first one today and the next three next Sunday morning. First, we continually savor the beauty of Christ. We are continually overwhelmed with how beautiful and wonderful and majestic and transcendent and glorious he is. He is our Savior. It's Romans 12.1. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is worship. This is worship. You thank him. You are grateful to him. You stand in awe of him because of his mercy and his grace toward you. As I shared with you last week and have used this a number of times in this series, to abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ, so consumed with Christ, that his resurrection life in us transforms who we are and how we live. We are so in love with him. We are so consumed with him that his resurrection life in us, almost to a point where we're unconscious that it's taking place, it transforms who we are, transforms how we live our lives. I mentioned this last week. I mentioned it again. Perhaps no verse capture this, captures this better than Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It's not on the screen. Many of you know it well. I love its rendering in the New International Version. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's it. That's what I'm saying here. Fix your eyes, your heart, your emotions. Fix your mind. Fix your mind on Jesus. Just think of the singing, the robust, wonderful singing that we've had this morning. Never once, never once have we ever walked alone because of Jesus. He is all to us. He is all to us. And I say to you this morning, behold your God. Brothers and sisters, behold Christ in all of his glory in all of his majesty and in all of his beauty. And as you do, and as you do, your minds will be transformed. Your being will be transformed into his image. As we share communion this morning, as we share the Lord's Supper, I want you to think deeply as you examine yourselves with the bread and the cup. I want you to think deeply, what does it mean for me to take every thought captive to Christ. To have every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does it mean? What does it mean to savor 
the very beauty of Christ. What does it mean to think like Jesus thinks? At this time, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together.